1: If you know Gwendolyn Herzig's name, it's probably for a really awful reason, a reason she'd rather forget. But before we get into one of the worst moments of Gwen's life, let me just back up, explain who she is. Gwen is a trans woman, also a pharmacist, lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. And like a lot of queer people, she got into her car and drove to her state capital this year to offer testimony. Chair sees a quorum. I'm going to go ahead and call this a meeting of Judiciary to Order. In Gwen's case, she was testifying against a bill known as SB199. This bill extends malpractice rules, allows trans kids who regret their transition to sue their medical providers decades after receiving treatment. Practically, it's a way to narrow the pathway to gender-affirming care.
2: First up, we have Gwendolyn Ursus.
1: at the hearing Gwen went to, she was the first member of the public
2: to speak. You're with, you're speak for two
0: Good morning. My name is Dr. Gwendolyn Paige Herzig, owner and pharmacist at Park West Pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas. I've lived my entire life in Arkansas, born in Newport, raised in Northeast Arkansas, and have completed my
1: doctoral You get out your iPad, and it's you just start speed reading. That's how it looks to me, at least.
0: Yeah, speed reading and half nervous. So I'm nervous. I start... I talk, I st- Fast, I
1: guess. So. Gwen tries to be funny and human. She talks about how she's still married to her high school sweetheart, how she's got two daughters. She says they're both rotten, which is a joke to lighten the mood. But it doesn't work. Then she gets to the point.
0: In my practice, I have not experienced a single instance of a patient regretting their transition or starting puberty-blocking medication.
1: Her main argument is, I'm a medical professional. I treat trans people all the time. Let me tell you what that's really like.
0: And so I'm like, I'm really trying to show you like, A, I'm a very successful person and I'm a professional. I mean, I have a doctorate in pharmacy. Not only do I have the lived experience, but the knowledge and the compassion to know each person has their own life to live and wanna make sure they have the tools to grow and thrive. What questions do you have for me?
1: And then she takes questions, which is when a state rep gets very personal with her.
0: I just, you said that you're a trans woman. I trans female, yes, ma'am, sir. Do you have a penis? Oh.
1: This is why you might know Gwen Herzig's name, or at least her story, because she's the trans person who got asked about her genitalia in the middle of the Arkansas General Assembly.
0: That's horrible. Yeah. You're the one. You're the one that brought that into the discussion.
1: Immediately, this exchange started pinging around the internet.
0: I don't know what my rights are, but that question was Babe, highly inappropriate. To, you do not have to
1: answer At the time, all Gwen knew was how horrified she was.
0: So what went through my head was two things. It's like either answer the question or don't answer the question. I'm generally pretty open about like my healthcare history because I use it generally for educational purposes to talk about like what resources and what surgical procedures are out there. like. I've had a vaginoplasty. I don't generally mind talking about that in my experience. I've had great surgical results. I love my surgeon. He loves Indiana Jones. He's a fantastic guy. But that being said, like he was trying to force me to answer that question because he wanted me to relate to trans youth. And that's just not appropriate because trans youth don't just readily go out and get bottom surgery or any gender-affirming surgery.
1: You said that you had this moment of like, do I answer or do I not? Did you just consider saying, like, nope (laughs) at some point?
0: No. I mean, generally, I don't like to be associated with that body part at all.
1: I wanted to talk to Gwen now because this month, Pride Month, I've been thinking about all the people just like her all over the country who've been trying to make themselves heard. All year long, I've seen these snippets from their lives floating across my timeline. Good morning, everyone.
0: My name is Polly.
1: Kicks. There are parents of queer kids. I am the mother of a 14-year-old trans son. There are kids themselves.
2: I do not like spending my free time asking adults to make good choices.
1: There was this drag queen who quoted the Bible.
0: I grew up in a religious home. I'm ordained.
1: There was even a game show champ.
0: My life is going
2: great right now, like beyond my wildest dreams. I won a million dollars on Jeopardy. I've become like a minor celebrity, flown all over the country, visited the White House. And yet, if all those things remained just as they are now, and the only thing that was changed was that I was told that I could no longer access hormone therapy, I don't know that I could go on living.
1: All of these people, they were given just a few moments to convince lawmakers to see them, to hear them.
2: Uh, your minutes, huh? Okay.
1: I wanted to ask, was it all worth it?
0: I was hoping to come into like, oh, okay, well, you know, this is a heated topic. Let's have an open mind. Let's hear from individuals who are actually being affected by it. And let's uh, let's see what they have to say versus like, well, our minds are already made up.
1: Have you looked back on your testimony in the weeks and months since, or have you kind of tried to avoid it?
0: I I generally try to avoid it. Like, I never wanted to be attached to the word penis. I feel like when you Google my name now, that comes up, and that is absolutely horrifying for me. For me to actually go in there and only have two minutes to talk about my life story, my feelings, and like what it really does and does not do, it's like, it's just not enough
1: today on the show. We're going to give Gwen the time she deserves. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Can we tell your personal story a little bit? You transitioned only in the last few years, right? How did you come to that decision?
0: So, you know, I've really felt like I had, no, I I know I had, like, an idea that something was wrong at 12. It's not right when a kid's, like, going to bed and, 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 uh, like, wishing they would wake up as a girl every night. Hmm. I'm not jokingly, like, every birthday wish, every shooting star, any, like, wish-type moment— There's always been that one singular wish. You know, I always talk about like there's destructive and constructive coping mechanisms. For me, it was constructive. A lot of it was just goal setting. So to keep my mind off of it, I just set a goal, went after it, and it worked. It worked for a long time. I mean, if it wasn't like, oh, graduating uh, high school and doing all the things I did there, it was then going to college and graduating university honors, going to pharmacy school, having a family with my wife, with our first daughter, Autumn. And then after that was buying a pharmacy, having a second kiddo, Evie. You like projects. Right. And it's always a bigger, more loftier project. But eventually that hole just got so big where there was just nothing I could do like to fill it adequately. Yeah. And so at 30, I just was like, I just hit a, I hit a wall and I'm like, I, I have to do something. I actually even made a therapist appointment to be like, try to talk about it and see if I could like put it off as like a midlife crisis again and just kind of put it in the back. But they're like, people don't want to change their gender with a midlife crisis. They want, to, they want to buy a car. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And so it just really took some self-reflection and kind of just, I knew what needed to be done. It's just, it's really hard because you feel like you're going to lose everything.
1: What did you worry you might lose? Like, what was your biggest fear?
0: My family, my career, my life. That's a lot. Right. It's everything to me. Like, my kids and my wife are everything. And the fact that I could potentially lose them was horrifying. You
1: started taking hormones kind of on the sly for a couple weeks before you even talked to your wife. You described, like, telling your wife about it a couple weeks later, like, in the hot tub. (laughs) <laughs> on good friday you had like a bunch of vodka and you were like i need to tell you this can you take me back to that moment what was that like
0: it was horrifying i tried to get it out all day try to tell that morning at lunchtime at dinner time. my wife knew something was wrong and uh so we got in a hot tub i'm like i'm not getting out of this hot tub until i tell her it took like some liquid courage probably not the best <laughs> but uh finally got it out but the issue was it's like trying to get that out and finally that it was out there's really no putting that back
1: yeah and did you guys have a little baby at the time
0: yeah we had evie our youngest who was probably uh, i think one at the time or about to turn one
1: wow so there was just a lot happening in your lives
0: there was and uh and so it was just a lot to go through uh you know over the next couple of weeks it was a lot of like taking it slow, explaining, uh you know, I had a therapist, she got a therapist that way she could really kind of talk through her feelings. But you know, after about 3 to 6 months, we kind of were on the we're on the same page about everything and like here we are. Our story is happier than most and we are happily married for over 10 years. We have two beautiful kids. We like, you know, you know a lot of people think like they try to like define our sexuality and stuff like that, but I'm like, you know, I feel like love goes beyond that.
1: In the ideal world, yeah.
0: Yeah, I know how my wife wants her coffee. I know what little things make her happy and take care of her. I know the uh, the things to do to make sure she's taken care of before she even does it, whether if it's like, oh, I know it's garbage day. I want to take out the trash that way because I know she's going to forget because she likes sleeping in a little bit. So,
1: How did you come out at work? Because you're the boss at work. You own your pharmacy, right?
0: Yes, for sure. And so I kind of went stealth uh, for three to four months just to kind of make sure everything was going on. I wanted to make sure like my support system pillars were in place. And that really is like my family, my brother, my wife, all that was steady. And then I'll add a little bit more stress to it.
1: So did that mean you were going to work with your old identity?
0: Yeah, I did some things, though. I like I had glow in the dark nail polish. I mean, that that's pretty <laughs> incognito. Uh, and then also my hair was starting to grow out longer and stuff like that. And so, I mean, there were some signs.
1: Gwen played at coy for a few weeks. All that time, she was trying to figure out how her employees and her customers might respond once she came out. She'd seed little conversations about the culture war, probing for people's true beliefs.
0: Oh, I'm very sneaky. I, you know, I like to play devil's advocate, and so I'm like, I, I would bring it up like, oh, do you hear about these people like that are transitioning, like these transgenderers people? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like,
1: I don't know about them,
0: right? I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, and then it's like just sparking the conversation, kind of seeing what people's thoughts on it, and which it's they're all like. Someone corrected me, which I'm like, thank you, thank you for correcting.
1: That's so interesting. You were baiting them. I, I was. Hmm. So when did you feel safe? Like expressing your true self at work? Like, was it just you had enough of these conversations where you kind of laid the groundwork and then you just came in and said, listen, my name tag will now say this. And, you know, here's what my identity is.
0: When I bought my pharmacy, my pharmacy was a very much a country club mentality, majority conservative based population. Yeah, it's just that's that's what's in Arkansas. And that's what the pharmacy was servicing at the time. So it would have been really unrealistic of me to be like, okay, well, we're going to do all this, and we're just going to hope for the best. I would have just lost my whole patient population before I gained enough trust with the LGBTQ community to gain have them start using my farm. My pharmacy would just went under, plain and simple. And so I started implementing small programs throughout my like the first two years, like, oh, we'll start doing HRT. We'll start kind of showing up for Pride. We'll start putting up small Pride flags everywhere to make sure we're. That way you could start gaining trust. So it was like more of a slow transition of patient bases. And now we're to the point where I can be out proud and make sure my community is taken care of.
1: Were you able to carry that conservative base of customers along with you by going slow, being honest about who
0: you are? I think I changed a lot of minds, honestly. It was kind of refreshing to see. Don't get me wrong, I lost plenty of patients. But there was a lot of people that I'm really surprised. I'm like, I would have never thought...
1: Who surprised you the most? Like, is there one patient who you thought, like, I might lose this one, but then you didn't?
0: Oh, he was a he's a preacher man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's, uh, he, God bless him. Uh, I thought once he found out, I was like, oh, definitely losing that man. And no, he came up to me and he was like, hey. I didn't know. And, you know, it's still funny because I'll have patients still, I'm like, I, I surely, this is the last patient that's finding out. And then I'll have a month or two later, I'm like, I just realized who you are. I'm just like, well, I, I guess I am playing a very good game at this point. So, but uh, it's, it's just funny. But no, it's like he, I thought I was really going to lose him. But uh, no, he was actually very open and very like, I'm just so happy that you can live your life. And, you know, still uses the pharmacy to this day.
1: After the break, Gwen's radical approach to her pharmacy work, and what came after that day in the legislature.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Just go to ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy ramp.com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.
1: Your pharmacy is kind of unique in the work it does. Can you explain your approach caring for trans patients, but also people looking for reproductive health care? Like, what are some of the changes you've implemented?
0: Yeah, so reproductive health care, especially with after Roe versus Wade, plan B's at cost. Like, we sell plan B what we buy it for. The morning after pill. Yeah, it shouldn't be $30 to $40 to go buy it, and which is a lot of pharmacies will upmarket because they're like, well, if you need it, you need it. I'm like, no, if you need it, you need it. And so I'm like, we, that's one of the first things we do. Uh, we also, you know, we make sure we still carry misoprostol because, you know, there are missed abortions out there, which miscarriages. And it's like a lot of pharmacies just want to X-nay it, keep it off their shelf. And I'm like, that's not appropriate. As for like what the pharmacy does for like taking care of the transgender community and LGBTQ community, it's like we provide all resources Like whether if you want to start HRT and you want to know your providers and their wait times, we know it. Whether if you want to get your name changed and you want to get your talk about getting your gender changed on your birth certificate, uh, let's talk about it. You want to talk about gender affirming surgery? Yeah, let's get you pointed in the right direction. And so we really make sure there are try to make sure there are no roadblocks for our patient base.
1: That's way beyond just like getting some pills from the back for you.
0: No, for sure. And also, you know, HRT or hormone replacement therapy is always seen as like a luxury drug. It's like if you're that old guy and you have low T, well, you know what? You're probably going to pay for it. If you are a postmenopausal woman and you want estrogen, you're going probably going to pay for it. That's not so much for the trans community. Generally, these are lifelong drugs that these patients are going to be on. And it's not fair to be charging them a, you know, a pretty penny for it. Versus like, no, it's like, it just needs to be a reasonable price to make sure they're taken care of.
1: So how much does it cost to get hormones like down the block at a different pharmacy versus yours?
0: Yeah, I had someone yesterday, Walgreens was trying to charge $130 for a bottle of Androgel, 1.62%. We charge anywhere from $25 to $35 for that bottle. Wow. And that's really only $6 a profit above our cost. Generally, it was actually at cost. We did at cost HRT for almost two years. But the problem is, is when the majority of your patient base starts, it's like the transgender community. I'm like, okay, guys, I I have to make a I have to make a little (laughs) to make sure we're even still here. And so we did $6 above cost at this point.
1: In your testimony, you invited lawmakers to come to your pharmacy. Did anyone take you up on that?
0: No, I wish they would have LGBTQ individuals. Like these are just normal people coming in for prescriptions, trying to have normal lives with normal families. And it's like, you're just trying to make it so much more difficult for them just to live their lives in peace. I'm like, why does it matter to you that someone's on testosterone or estrogen? And so I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, I wish someone would have took me up because I think they would have, it would have been insightful.
1: Yeah. I know that in the aftermath of your testimony, your business got a lot of attention and some of it was really negative. What did that look like? Like when you came back to work after testifying and then the video of this back and forth over your genitalia went all over the internet,
0: what were those next few days like? It's actually like the next three weeks. So, I mean, we got three good responses for every like one negative response. But it's like, you know, it's really great, but like my staff didn't ask to be harassed. I mean, we're still just taking care of kids' antibiotics. We're still taking care of people's birth control and high blood pressure medication. Like, please don't call my staff and harass them when they're just trying to do their jobs because they didn't go up to the legislator and ask for that. You said
1: you got a lot of positive feedback, actually more positive feedback than negative. I'm wondering if there's like one story like that, that sticks with
0: you? We got a ton of cards. Uh, we got a ton of gifts. We got a ton of flowers. And I'm a sucker for some flowers. And so, <laughs> uh, but I think one card that really stood out to me was like, you saved my life. You being out there and being forespoken gave me the courage to transition. And uh, I'm like, and this was like three weeks after. And they're like, I'm two weeks after and I'm just, I'm, I just feel so much better. And that was, I don't know, that, that's really nice. So.
1: Given the way Laws have been changing in Arkansas. Has it changed what you do as a healthcare provider, as a pharmacist? Have you had to change who you're treating and how?
0: No, actually, it just makes me push harder. Like I do a lot more. Like I just felt like a lot of it is just education. I've like I've really switched gears just to trying to educate pre-professionals and like professionals about like what HRT really does, what it doesn't do, and just the general public. I feel like maybe I can dispel a lot of the stigma that's surrounding the transgender community if. I can just educate. I mean, let's talk about HRT, what it really does and what it really doesn't do. Let's talk about the cost of puberty, like the cost of not starting puberty suppression on those individuals.
1: And so do you see your role as to kind of push back on that and say, hey, there are costs to not providing the care, too?
0: Yes. And that's what exactly what I talk about. And like a lot of my education, it's cost financially, it costs physically, it costs mentally. It's just very costly. And it's that's not fair to put that cost on that individual later down the life and just say, hey, do your best to cope right now. It sucks to be you.
1: So while the legislature is passing this kind of anti-trans legislation, in the meantime, in the background, you're going to doctors and saying, let me train you so more doctors can provide this care.
0: Yes, absolutely. And also just with the younger generation. You know, younger generation of doctors, pharmacists, nurses, and the the more practitioner where they see that this is just a patient, we want to make sure our patient's taken care of and it's comforted. But yeah, we just want to do that.
1: Would you testify at the Statehouse again?
0: I probably would. How would you prepare next time? Uh, I think I would be a little bit more defensive. I'd I'd be ready, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Or I'd probably just go in with the same mentality as I did last time, just hoping for the best, and but this time probably expecting the worst.
1: Yeah. In some ways it sounds like you're prepared, but... <sighs> you're also a little harder after this whole experience. Just like, okay, I guess I got to put my big girl pants on.
0: Exactly. No, for sure.
1: You know, we haven't really talked about your kids so much, but I'm wondering if we can, because you got two daughters... They've watched you go through everything you've gone through, in the last year, like and and before. Like, do they have questions about any of it?
0: Uh, not really. They're kind of cool kids. Adapt, They're, especially my kids. They're so much fun and a headache at the exact same time. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that's If you have kids, you understand. <laughs> oh, I understand. <laughs> but that being said, like Autumn, Autumn remembers a semblance of me but as a pre-transition. That's your oldest. Yeah. And so she'll be like, you know, if anyone ever asks, she's like, well, she was my daddy but now she's my DD. And so that was the kind of the name we went with because it, at the time it was easy to go from daddy to DD. And so it just kind of stuck and it works. So I'm DD now. And uh I don't know. Autumn but it's not even like a moot issue now. It's like she just says she has two mommies. And so that's great.
1: Gwen, I'm super grateful for you coming on the show and telling your story. Thank you so much.
0: Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so much.
1: Gwen Herzig is a pharmacist and the owner of Park West Pharmacy in Little Rock, Arkansas. Over the course of this month, we're going to introduce you to more people who made the same journey Gwen did to visit with their elected representatives, explain why anti-queer legislation is harmful. Next week what happened when a Tejano drag king showed up at the Texas state legislature with a message. And as a kid,
2: I grew up listening to adults tell me that the number one thing you need to do is be yourself always. And I think that drag does that for kids. I think that drag teaches that to kids and doesn't just teach it, but also it shows you, you know, there's this queer person, this person in drag who is embodied what it is
1: to just be yourself 100%. And that's our show. If you're a fan of what we're doing here at What Next, the best way to support us, show us a little love, is to join Slate Plus. It's our membership program. Go on over to slate.com slash whatnextplus to sign up. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Anna Phillips, Paige Osborne, Rob Gunther, and Madeline Ducharme. We're led by Alicia Montgomery, with a little boost from Susan Matthews, Ben Richmond is the Senior Director of Podcast Operations here at Slate, and I'm Mary Harris. You can go track me down on Twitter, say hello, I'm at Mary's desk. I am handing things off to Lizzie O'Leary and the What Next TBD crew, but I'll be back in this feed, bright and early, on Monday. I'll catch you then.